Hey, and welcome to the Aloha Church Podcast. We believe that full life is found in Jesus. And after this message, if you have any questions, please engage with us over social media or connect with us on a Sunday morning. We so hope you enjoy this message. Let's start with some prayer. You guys down? Close your eyes. Let's focus on Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we're so grateful that you're here walking with us. You're in this room. Forgive us for taking that for granted. We have the God of all creation here with us. We honor you. We glorify you. We praise your name. And we look to you today. Amen. Okay. I feel very excited about this. The Lord has been speaking to me a ton. Even just today, I feel like I woke up super early and I've just been connecting with Jesus in like the most like peaceful way. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm pumped. Before I get into that, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. Firstly, my name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. But I don't have the best memory. I don't think it's awful. It's like maybe 20% worse than average. Um, but there's maybe three main indicators for that. First one, names. I know cliche. A lot of people aren't great with names. But one of the indicators for this is that um, uh, our friends Ray and Guillermo, they moved here maybe three years ago, give or take. And they just showed up at our mini church out of nowhere. We never met them. And I'm getting their numbers. And I put in Ray's phone number into my contacts as Ray-Aloha. Princess Guillermo, they moved from Ohio, so I put Ohio-mini-church. So I had like 10 adjectives. And I know myself, I just needed a little help. I got to help remember people's names. And they have since become some of our best friends. We're hanging out with them all the time over the last three years. But I hadn't changed my contact for her. And her and Guillermo, they found that out recently. And they were pretty upset about it, that I needed 10 adjectives for their name. And so they changed their contact in their phone for my number as Barbie's dad. <laughs> Not even Joel, just Barbie's dad. So touche, Ran Guillermo, that's, that's pretty good. I deserve that. Um, another indicator is song lyrics. I can't remember song lyrics for the life of me. Like karaoke, I'm tone deaf, and I don't know any songs. Karaoke is like a nightmare. Even worship, today, like we're struggling with the slides, like I, am, I don't know any worship songs. I'm a full-time, full-time pastor on staff. I've grown up in church, and I just can't remember song lyrics. So in worship, I'll a lot of times be praying instead of, like, singing. And you might think I'm super spiritual, but I just, I just can't remember song lyrics. That's the, that's the, main, that's the main reason. Um, the, the third indicator for my bad memory is uh, my to-do list. If something doesn't make it on my to-do list, I'm just screwed. 100%. I have the most detailed to-do list out of anybody you ever met in your entire life. Right now on my to-do list, I have clip your nails at 3.30 on Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> no joke. And this is like, I, I, let me explain why. I'll be walking around, I'll be like at, out and about, and I'll look down, I'm like, oh crap. I'm like Hugh Jackman and Wolverine with like some Wolverine claws. But I'll be out and about, and I'm like, I'll remember, clip my nails. And then I'll be like, oh, shoot, I don't have fingernail clippers. And then I'll forget. And then like three days later, I'll, three days go by, and I'll look down again. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I forgot to clip my nails. 
but then I'll forget. I won't be around fingernail clippers. And then like three days later after that, I'll remind myself like, oh shoot, I look like Hugh Jackman. And I'll forget again. And that cycle will repeat itself to infinity. I, I kid you not. If clip your nails doesn't get on my through list, I'm just, I'm screwed. My transition in, uh, in the Bible, the Israelites don't have the best memory. And they found themselves in a similar pattern, a similar cycle. God does something cool. God does a miracle, makes a decree. The Israelites forget. They forget God. They forget his goodness. They forget his miracles. And then God reminds them, and they come back to God. And then the cycle repeats itself through the entire Bible. God does something cool. We forget. God reminds us. On repetition. So that's where we're going today. Last week, Drew talked about remembrance. Uh-oh, my thing's freaking out here. Hold on. Let me, get my, let me get my notes. This is crucial. Why is it doing this? Hold on. This is very important. View technical difficulties today. Oh, come on. All right. Well, that's frustrating. Okay, regardless... Let's keep moving forward, even though my notes are struggling. Last week, Drew talked about remembrance, and today we're going to be doing the same thing. We're going to, I'm going to be tracing the, the dual theme of remembrance slash forgetfulness through the Old Testament, and then next week, I'm preaching a doubleheader, next week we'll be looking at the dual theme of remembrance slash forgetfulness in the New Testament. So I'm excited to preach back-to-back. Um, Remembrance is mentioned over 300 times throughout Scripture. Remember. And then that theme is often contrasted by its antonym, forget, do not forget, forget not. Um, And that cycle, God does something cool. He calls them to remember. We forget. That cycle, I think, is still in, um, in the world today. God's done a lot of cool things in you and I's life. And we rejoice in those moments. We're so grateful for God's miracles. We're so grateful for the way that he's changed our life. A little time moves on and we forget. Maybe not even intentionally, but life's busy, chaotic. We forget what the Lord's done. And eventually something comes up in our life where we remember, oh yeah, God did that. Oh yeah, God freed me from anxiety. Oh yeah, God showed up in my darkest moment. And he provided for me. Maybe he provided for you financially when all seemed lost. And so today, we're going to look to the past. We're going to remember what God's done in ancient Israelite history. But we're also going to dwell on what's the Lord done in our own lives? What have we forgotten? And as we think about those things, if you look to the past, that changes the way we live today. It helps us focus on the Lord in the future. We know that, oh, if the Lord's been good our whole life, he's going to continue to do beautiful things in the future. So that makes us more faithful, more filled with hope, more filled with joy, with purity, uh, realizing that God is worth following, that he loves us deeply, and he paid it all on the cross. Amen? Okay. That's the result of, mem- of remembering All right, so specifically today, we're going to trace the theme through the Old Testament, and we're going to begin with Genesis. 
And in Genesis, God makes a covenant with who? Noah. The very first covenant in the Bible. And this is Genesis 9. I'm going to read this. I will remember my covenant between me and you. This is right after the flood narrative. I'll remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and I'll remember my everlasting covenant. And this is immensely important as it establishes God as first and foremost a God who remembers. He sets the precedent for us to remember. So point one in your notes, God is the ultimate example of remembrance. You can fill that in. Water break. Um, And this theme of remembrance continues to surface in Genesis. As we see that Noah's descendant Abraham... Uh, God chooses Abraham. He makes the second covenant in the Bible with Abraham. And he says, Abraham, even in your old age, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a child, even though you're childless. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to give you a land someday, and you're going to be blessed to be a blessing. And again, we see that God is faithful to his promises. He remembers his promises. He remembers his people. Um, And he gives Abraham a child named, anybody know? Shout it out. Anybody? Anybody? He gave Abraham a child named Isaac. Nice. Okay, good. We're engaged. Um, So Isaac, Isaac shows us that God is a God of remembrance. He's the ultimate example of remembrance. And then we get to Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. And at the beginning of Exodus, we're introduced to Moses. And Moses is the kind of central protagonist in these next four books of the Bible. And Moses, as some of us know, God uses Moses to deliver the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, out of captivity from the Egyptians. But he does does so through a series of uh, crazy, radical, supernatural, apocalyptic miracles uh, where the Israelites are freed from their oppressors. And kind of the, the climax of this the, the, the most intense moment is crossing the Red Sea. And the Israelites walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. Uh, it's beautiful. It's crazy. Read the first section of Exodus to see that. But this leads us to Exodus 13. The Israelites had just been freed. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand, the Lord, you, the, Lord, the Lord brought you out from this place. And so this mandate to remember what the Lord's done, to, specifically to remember Egypt, is actually repeated throughout the entire Bible. For instance, Numbers 15, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. So time and time and time again, God's, and this is to paraphrase, God's saying, hey, Israelites, don't forget Egypt. Don't forget what I did for you. What, don't, don't forget what I've done for you. Don't forget how difficult and awful Egypt was. And I brought you out of there. Why? Because I loved you. Because I promised to Abraham that I would give you a land someday. So, again and again and again, God's reminding us. However, remember this is the cycle of, however, in spite of God's reminders, 
the Israelites continue, continually falsely remember and even glorify Egypt. It's almost like a, in psychology, a Stockholm syndrome. They wanted to go back to their oppressors. Um, this is Numbers 11. For it was better for us in Egypt. This is the Israelites speaking. Why did we come out of Egypt? Numbers 11.20. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Let us choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Again and again and again, the Israelites grumbling. Why? Because they forgot. They forgot how awful Egypt was. Um, they forgot God's miracles. And so to me, this is like a quintessential grass is greener mentality. Anybody struggle with that sometimes? A little bit of a grass is greener mentality? I think I do personally. I think a lot of us do. If I only had that job, once I move, then I'll be happy. Once I start dating someone, then life will really begin if I just went to that church, if you came from another church to Aloha because you had a bad experience at your last church, I promise you there's just a bunch of messy, broken people here too. That's church, literally. Church is a family. You had a bad experience of church. Of course you did. You're going to have a bad experience with your family. Families hurt each other. Um, to digress a little bit more on this point, I think that most people's grass is greener mentality at other churches is, is just... I wish my church served spam and pancakes. So, <laughs> grass is greener. Uh, but I digress. I, I digress. Um, if I was just a little younger, if I was just a little smarter, if I could just buy that house, then I'll be content. When my kids get older, then I'll start reading the Bible. Once I get fit, then I'll love myself. If I just made a little bit more money, then I'll be happy. Do we relate to those things at all? Just me? And as we know... By experience, most of us, as we know, grass typically isn't actually greener. Biggie said it best, mo' money, straight up, dude, mo' money, mo' problems, like 100%. Grass isn't greener, it's not. So in contrast, in contrast to this grass is greener mentality that we often struggle with, point two is this, remembering when we remember what God's done, it breeds contentment. When we remember what God's done, it brings contentment. When I personally, when I remember that, that God died for me because he loves me. I've been like, oh, crying like my daughter all morning. Just a little Barbie. Um... When I remember that God's made me and you perfectly, he knit us together in our mother's womb. He knows every hair on our head. You were created perfectly. <clears throat> when I remember verses like Romans 5, 4, we rejoice in our sufferings, we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces what? Read it. Perseverance. Perseverance what? Character what? It's like a little rap. Um, and hope does not what? Because God has poured out his love for us into our hearts through who? 
through the Holy Spirit, whom he has so kindly given to us. So even through suffering, even through suffering, we know that God is forming us. He has a plan for us. He has not left us or forsaken us. And even if this life is hard, which it will be, we still have hope, eternal hope, that we're going to be with him in heaven forever. But he's also promised us heaven on earth, abundant life, John 10.10. 10. Thanks, Allie. Woo! So remembering what he's done, remembering what he's doing, who he is, breeds contentment. Thank you, Jesus. We can be content with you. Remembrance. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is literally how all morning has been. I, I woke up so early this morning, just like feeling so grateful for what the Lord's done. I, I, um, I uh, journaled like for a full hour this morning, just ways that the Lord showed up in my life, and it was crazy. I am so fortunate that I had Drew as my youth pastor growing up. And the Drew raised up leaders like Andy and Jesse. And those guys poured into me. They loved me so much. And they put me on a trajectory towards, like, finding Jesus amidst being a skateboarder in San Diego. No, I, I don't know. I know, like, one skateboarder that's a Christian, and that's John Wilson. <laughs> um, God's been so faithful. All right. Sorry. Here we go. Deuteronomy. This is the fifth book of the Bible. The Exodus generation, the people that were rescued out of slavery in Exodus, most of them had passed away. Moses is now very old, but he's still kicking. And he writes Deuteronomy as a retelling of the law. It's a retelling of the first three books of the Bible. And he's retelling this to a new generation, the up-and-comers, the youngsters, and so because of this remembrance, specifically remembering Egypt, becomes a primary theme in the book of Deuteronomy. 5.15 says this, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Similarly, Deuteronomy 6.12, You were slaves in Egypt. We got it on the screen. Deuteronomy 7.18, you were slaves in Egypt. Again, 8.14, you were slaves in Egypt. 5.15, you were slaves in Egypt. Deuteronomy 16.3, you were slaves in Egypt. 16.12, again, you were slaves in Egypt. 24.18, you were slaves in Egypt. 24.22, you were slaves in Egypt. On repeat, we have to remember. This brings us to point three. We must remember where we came from. We have to. Ephesians 2.6, God raised us from death to life with Christ Jesus. God raised us from death to life with Christ Jesus, and he has given us a place beside Christ in heaven. He raised me from death to life. He raised me from death to life. I was once a slave in Egypt, but no longer. He raised me from death to life. 
Drew last week had us consider what would our life look like without Jesus? Where did our life look like right now without him? That's such a powerful thing to think about. What would it look like without him? But also, I would bet there's a whole handful of folks in here that might be considering, I don't know if my life would look that much differently. I can't really tell a whole heck of a difference. Maybe a couple little things, but not a lot of change because of Jesus. If that's you, I would ask you a a follow-up question. Have you surrendered everything to him? When we, re- when we surrender our whole lives, our time, our talent, our tithe, our resources, our ambition, when we give it all to him, he can't help but transform our life. Every part of me is changed because of Jesus, all of it. He brought me from death to life. He's given me so much freedom, freedom from depression. I struggled with a, multi, a multi-year season of depression. I once was joyless, but now I'm joyful. I once was joyless, but now I'm joyful. My spending habits have changed completely. All I want to do is live generously. We've given away too much money this year. (laughs) Um, uh, And I say that that's Jesus's heart. The marginalized, the outcast, the down and out, He's calling us to love them, to provide for them, to care for them. He's freed me from years of crippling anxiety. I once was so anxious, but now I'm peaceful. I once was anxious, but now I'm peaceful. I now live with so much hope, knowing that whatever happens on this earth, I will get to experience abundant life, full life in heaven forever kind of makes this life way less stressful just remembering, oh yeah, God's got me. Like even if it's a lot of difficulty, <laughs> there's a lot of difficulty here, but man, we got to be kicking it with God in heaven forever. That's, that gives me a lot of peace. I now have so much purpose, realizing that every single moment matters. Everything I say and do and don't say and don't do and buy and don't buy. All, all of my little decisions matter. Why? Because I get to love people. I get to love God and love others. God's given me purpose. I once was purposeless. I once was purposeless. Now I have purpose. Thanks for the head nods, Ashley. I, I like it. Thanks for the encouragement. Um, so point three, we have to remember where we came from. Let's move Let's move forward. Remembrance in Joshua and Judges. We were just in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Big, a big change happens. We, leave, we move from Moses being the central protagonist to now Joshua. And Joshua, in the book of Joshua, we see once again that God is faithful to remember his covenant. Why? Because 400 years earlier, He promised to Abraham that someday your descendants will be given a land, the land of Canaan. And in Joshua, God's promise, though delayed 400 years, God's promise comes to fruition and the Israelites are given the land of Canaan. They're given the long-awaited promised land. And so Joshua shows us that God is faithful. He remembers. He remembered his promise. He's the ultimate example 
of remembrance. Then we get to the book of Judges. And the Judges period is known for turmoil, war, violence, sin, apostasy. It's one of the lowest points in Israelite history. And in Judges, by and large, the Israelites forsake God. And Judges 3, 7 sums this up well. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. They served other gods. And I, wanna, I, wanna, I, want to, I want to draw attention to the fact that they forgot God. I think that's really important. They forgot God. Their, their disobedience was rooted in apathy. Apathy, this is point four, apathy is sometimes more tragic than disobedience. Helen Keller says apathy is the great tragedy of our time. And in America, we currently see that droves of people are leaving the church. Why? I think, and I propose, the number one reason is mimosas. People want to sleep in and go to brunch straight up. I just want to go to Breakfast Republic on a Sunday morning, morning glory. I get it. Some really good chicken, what's it called? Chicken fried waffles? What's that? Yeah, chicken waffles, gravy. That's different a little bit, but morning glory. (laughs) Mixing up my my morning glory order. Um, What an idiot. All right. Um, By and large, people aren't leaving the church because they hate Christianity. They're not. 4% of people in America are atheists. 4%. It's very small. They're not leaving to go practice witchcraft or something freaky. (laughs) Um, they're not leaving for the sake of evil. It's far less insidious. It's, it's, it's apathy. It's boredom. It's busyness. It's brunch. Straight up. It's brunch. Corey Ten Boom, many years ago, said, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And so similar to the judges' period, similar to Israel, we as a nation, I think, have just forgotten God. Not for the sake of evil, but because we've become too busy. We've become apathetic. We've forgotten God's goodness. Apathy is sometimes more tragic than disobedience. All right, moving forward. Next era. Remembrance in the monarchy. These are six books, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. One and two Chronicles is kind of a retelling of what happens in first and second Samuel and first and second Kings. Um, and this period, it has a ton of ups and downs, a ton of the cyclical pattern of remembrance, or I'm sorry, cyclical pattern of God does something cool, Israelites forget, God reminds them, on repeat. That pattern's all over uh, the monarchy era, especially God sending now the prophets. And the prophets are reminding the people, turn back to God. Turn back to the God who loves you, who cares about you, who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. And even though there's a lot of ups and downs in this era, um, I'm going to share a high point for the Israelites. This is, uh, this is First Chronicles 16. Water break. 
Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell of all His wonderful acts. Remember the wondrous works that He has done, His miracles and the judgments He's uttered. Remember His covenant forever. And so, according to Chronicles, worship looks like telling of His wonderful acts. Worship is singing, yes, but it's infinitely more than that. And one of the ways it's more than that is telling of what God's done, telling testimony, sharing what has the Lord done in my own life. And so point five is this. Remembrance is an act of worship. When we, when we remember what God's done, it worships Him. We do a prayer circle every Sunday morning at 9.15 right here. You're invited. We'd love to have you. Um, but in that prayer circle, we pray, and we do a little team meeting, a couple things, logistics. But before we do any of that, we just share testimonies for the first 10 minutes. Hey, what's the Lord done in your own life? What's, your, what's the Lord done this week? Dean was in surgery this week, and now he's here on Sunday. That's amazing. Talk to Dean. That's, that's the very short summary of that testimony he shared this morning. When we remember what God's done, it, like, it fuels our faith. It makes, it makes me, it makes us excited. Oh yeah, if God did that once, he can do that for me. If he did that once, he can do that for me. Oh yeah, you're right. Maybe I personally, maybe you feel like God's kind of like distant. Maybe you don't feel like he's alive and active in this world today. Come to our 915 prayer time. You'll see, oh, oh my gosh, God's moving in this person's life, this person's life, and this person's life. He's alive and active here today. So remembrance is an act of worship. So to conclude the theme of remembrance in the Old Testament, there's a lot more I could share from that exile period and the return from exile, the poetic books. Um, but I'm going to share one verse from, uh, from the prophets. This is Hosea 13. And this is actually the last use of the word forgot in the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament. It's this, Hosea 13. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. And I feel like it's kind of a capstone, a summary of the Israelites' relationship with the Lord in the Old Testament. And I think there's a ton that you and I, I'm learning personally about the vitality of remembrance. And there's kind of four, I'm gonna, we're going to transition now into four kind of main takeaways. Where can we leave today? How can we remember the Lord? How can we not fall into that same cycle that probably a lot of us are already in even now? Um, and the same cycle, obviously, that the Israelites were in for three millennium. Number one, remembrance looks like reading Scripture. That's in your notes. Remembrance looks like reading Scripture. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 
Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. When we read Scripture, we're reminded of God's goodness. We're reminded of His faithfulness throughout biblical history. And as Paul reminds us, we're reminded of the gospel. So read Scripture. Even just start with five minutes a day. So simple. Five minutes. Sacrifice five minutes of your busy life to connect with Jesus via Scripture. It's unbelievably worth it. The Bible is alive and active, and it's uh, a sacrifice, and it's difficult, and it's sometimes boring. But when you make that a habit, we make that a spiritual discipline, God uses that. He speaks to you, and um, yeah, I could ramble forever about that. I'll I'll end end there. Prayer and worship team, you guys can come up. We're wrapping up here. Number two, remembrance looks like journaling. Psalm 102 says, Let this be recorded or written for a generation to come, so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Writing down what God has done cements God's goodness in our minds. Creates a neural pathway there. Oh yeah, God's good. Even just, just the actual act of writing it out matters. This last week I stumbled across a journal entry from like five years ago. There's a hundred things I was thankful for that kind of God had done in my life. And I was like, oh man, I'm taking like all hundred of these things for granted. <laughs> oh yeah, God did these. I didn't do that. We're in this like crazy cheap cottage in OB. Our rent is like, don't tell my landlord, but like way too cheap. And I take that for granted every day. Like, oh yeah, that, my, my journal entry from four years ago reminded me, oh yeah, God gave us that cottage that we're in couldn't afford Ocean Beach without that cottage. Thank you, God. Journaling reminds us of his faithfulness in our life. Number three, remembrance looks like sharing testimonies. We already went over that. Come to prayer circle 915 Sunday mornings, share some testimonies. One of my Bible professors in undergrad in college, he asked the class, what's the number one thing you can tell someone about God? People raise their hand, all these different answers. I raise my hand, a little like scared 17-year-old freshman in college. I graduated early, super smart. Um, and um, uh, I was like, John 3.16? No, shut, he, shut, he shut the whole class down. It's like the most important thing you can tell someone about God is your testimony, what he's done in your life. Why? Because no one can refute that. No one's going to argue away your testimony. Share your testimony. What, what's God done? Finally, number four, remembrance looks like taking communion. Maybe you're here today and you're like, oh, I don't know if God's done that much in my life. I haven't really, I don't know. And you're kind of maybe questioning that. This one's for you. Jesus died for you. He sent the Holy Spirit so that you can live a, a joy-filled life, a content life, a life walking beside a good and loving dad. So we take, we'll take communion in a, in a few moments, but we do that in remembrance of him. We remember what God's done, his sacrifice on the cross. Luke 22, do this communion, which is communion, I mean, in remembrance of me. 
communion reminds us of his sacrifice. All right, to conclude, last thing I'll say. First Chronicles, as we sing to him, as we tell of all his wonderful acts, as we remember the wondrous works that he has done, it draws our hearts closer to his and it sets the trajectory of our faith and our obedience in the future. Let's stand. I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you. You can raise your hands if you want to. You can even join me on my knees for a moment. Lord, thank you. We rem- Yeah, sorry, I just said stand on the knees. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> Lord, thank you. We love you, Jesus. Forgive me for forgetting your goodness. You can repeat that out loud or to yourself. Lord, forgive me for forgetting what you've done. Jesus, help me remember. We love you. We worship you. We need you. Amen. You've been listening to the Aloha Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about living free in Jesus, please reach out to us. We hope God spoke something wonderful and life-giving to you today. Until next time, lots of love and aloha.